And welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. You can find all our links in the description, including Spotify, iTunes, and our website. Uh, and make sure to go and follow us on Instagram in, in particular, obviously, Twitter as always, but Instagram in particular, because we're really making a push on there to, to get more content out on there. Um, today, we have a very, very special guest um, for the preview of the Manchester United game uh, that is coming up on Sunday, 430 UK time, Mr. Aaron Moniz at A Moniz Football on Twitter. Make sure to go follow him on there. How are you doing, mate? Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, I'm happy to be here and um, finally reveal my North American accent on uh, <laughs> on full podcast volume. Um, I know you guys both from Twitter, obviously. Michael's here as well. Uh, spoiler alert! But um, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to finally be here and uh, and criticize Chelsea on on voice to to anger both of you. <laughs> yeah uh, well you you mentioned it there but of course for, for this podcast we had to get Michael Nazarian back on how are you doing mate I'm good unfortunately I wasn't able to jump out around the 20th minute or so and just surprise everyone and now I have to be here from the beginning <laughs> thanks to Aaron ruining it but you know it's all good oh, come uh, on. Happy <laughs> here again um happy to have Aaron on and yeah looking forward to the game um and talking about a little bit about Atletico as well before we get into it right that's right as you said there we're gonna kick off the pod with a short review of the Atletico game, um, which was obviously a brilliant win for, for Chelsea. Really um, great result technically away from home, although it was played in a, a neutral venue. Um, but, you know, it's that away goal, um, which, which is so vital. Um, but the one thing I really wanted to talk about in this game, um, obviously the result is fantastic and all Chelsea fans are delighted about that. But... I'm not sure if we deserved to win the game. And I know you disagree, Michael. And I know, Aaron, you're somewhere in between. So first of all, I'm going to hand the floor to Michael to say why we did deserve to win. And then we'll, we'll have a bit of a discussion about it. Well, uh, yeah, before getting into it, I definitely want to say I understand the sentiment of why people might think like we don't, uh, we don't, we didn't deserve it or, or, or why you might think that as well. Um, I do agree that chance creation needs to be better um we've struggled under Tuchel so far to do so um and this Atletico Madrid game wasn't wasn't all too different in, in that regard um but I just think the one the one reason was we did after I want to say after about like the 15th or 20th minute the rest of the game was pretty much in our control like like certainly in our control at least that's that's the way I felt where we were struggling to really do much with it but as the game progressed we were able to do a little bit better although it never really got to a high level of creating chances i think at first it was the issue of even passing the balls to create opportunities on the wide areas because they had such a wide back line with six people and then after the game opened up a little bit they started to press a little bit um, a little bit more, come out a little bit more, even though they still were a low, low block relatively the entire game. Um, Correa wasn't, Correa oftentimes was trying to mark Marcus Alonso, and, and, and he, when he dropped yeah. off, um, when they were trying to press or whether we, we, we won the ball back and we were in transition, there was then that space for Alonso to then try to either play in a cross or, or, or that space on the other side then for, for Mount or, or Hudson-Odoi to be able to do, it, do something with it. And again, like, you're right where we didn't really do all too much, but I don't think you get all too much against Atletico Madrid. That's the thing. Like, Well, I think yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think, so you can frame that in two ways, right? You can say, okay, we never expected to get that many chances. But for me, it's just like, we played it right into, but wait, before I say this, I do want to say, obviously, I don't think we played badly at all. I thought it was a good performance. I just not so sure... I think if Giroud hadn't scored that wonder goal, a lot of the discourse would be, oh, Chelsea was so boring. Oh, Chelsea did nothing with the ball. It wasn't a great performance, right? So I think there's a lot of kind of scoreline bias there. Um, and while I, I think, you know, nil-nil against Atletico in the first leg is not a bad result either. Um, 
because you know they were going to do it but for me we kind of played it into their hands and I know you mentioned there Michael that you thought we had control of the game but to me I really don't think especially against a team like Atletico who who sit back you know in all big games um, I really don't think possession equates to control of the game I think for large chunks of the game we had the ball we were moving it around but Atletico had complete control you know they didn't look like conceding a chance at all um, and it was completely in their hands really so for me I think with with the with the ball, we were just we didn't take enough risks. I understand that that's how Tuchel wants to play. He doesn't want to, you know, especially against you know players like Suarez and Joao Felix, who are so dangerous if we do lose the ball. But I think, you know, especially in the final third when we do have men behind the ball, I think we need to be a lot more brave. Yeah, and 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 actually, um, it's an important distinction you made because I actually don't think I don't consider holding possession necessarily control. I think a team can control the game out of possession. If you play into their hand and they're able to almost dictate from a defensive side and cut out everything you try to do, which Atletico did a lot of the time, and that's why I tried to say like after the 20th minute or so, it seemed yeah. like we were in the in the first 20 minutes or so, I got the impression that we weren't even able to pass the ball to be able to even create chances out in the wide areas as we were trying to do very obviously. But it was after that point where they started coming out a little bit more around, I think I noted around like 22nd, 25th minute or so. Started coming out a little bit more, a little bit more aggressive because they realized how deep they really were and they weren't they weren't getting anything really, um, you know, to even capitalize on mistakes, for example, where then it opened up to get that to get that opportunity. Um, and I think that's when we took back control where we were given the ability to even create. And I, again, like 100%, the chance creation quality needs to improve. I completely agree. But I think that's a little bit different. I think Tuchel, the way he talks about it, he hits the nail on the head. He thinks there needs to be more decisive decision-making. Yeah. Um, there needs to be better quality and precision in both the final balls and, and, and the finishes on the final balls, getting on the ends of chances and everything. And I think there were plenty of times Giroud was there and the service quality just wasn't there. Like, And he was getting so frustrated with it. And part of that could be... Um, the, you know, Atletico Madrid for sure, which I think, you know, definitely played a role, but we saw it earlier. So it's not just Atletico Madrid, it's us. But the fact that we were there and ready and on top of it to, to, to take advantage when anything did fall our way. Now, I mean, it was a absolute wonder goal. Don't get me wrong. But like the, the fact that regardless, we took that opportunity and especially in the second half limited the mistakes we were making um, because in the first half, we, we did make a few mistakes. It was a bit nervy where, where they could have capitalized Suarez had a few chances, Lamar even, or whatever. Um, I think that's what kind of convinced me in the second half that, you know what, like we are deserving of this, to be honest, like that, that's what made me think that way at the, at the second half, when we ironed out those mistakes and continued trying to kind yeah. of, uh, pepper them, that's what I had thought. But I mean, Aaron, this is you're unbiased. So, what is uh, what's your perspective on this? Sure. Well, I mean, I think I think a good starting point is to say that I don't think Frank Lampard's Chelsea would have come anywhere near that level of performance against that side. I think um, Tuchel's come in and he's basically instilled a whole bunch of he he's come in and he's fixed a lot of fundamental issues that I felt Chelsea had. Uh, one was I thought you guys attacked with way too many men. Just fundamentally, you I think. I tend to go with you want to attack with five and defend with five, which means that the way Liverpool played their 4-3-3 is they attack with the fullbacks and tend to defend with the midfielders. And when Pep City won the league uh, a couple of years ago, what they would do is attack with the central midfielders and have the fullbacks inverted and kind of go with that five and five platform. And what Tuchel's, when, when Lampard had it, it was kind of mountain overts in front of, um, in front of Conte. And then also, inverted wingers which meant that the fullbacks had to go really high up high and wide um, and that left you guys really open on the transition and even even the first couple times you guys played united i felt that um you guys had kind of no concept of the idea that united are very much a transition team we'll talk more about that later of course but um and and then on top of that uh i think he also picked a formation that gets the best out of certain individuals so mm -hmm. now you guys attack with the wing backs in the front three and i, I didn't feel that one thing I noticed when he sold Willian and bought Ziyech was I didn't think that you were adding you, 
like obviously an upgrade i think uh is what was what the general perception was but i don't think uh it's a like for like change in that william offers a lot of that natural wide winger kind of stuff whereas ziech is more of an inside forward so i think there was a lot of concerns about wide forwards um and providing width without the fullbacks um and lampard also wasn't playing hudson adoy who is your best wide threat um and Tuchel's come in and fixed all those issues really quickly. He's gone two wing backs, attack, provide width, three inside forwards, get Werner and Havertz, not as the main striker, but close to the main striker. And then also keep possession, but be super aware of transitions. Um, talking about Man City, like one thing that they've implemented this season is you cannot execute transitions against them unless you are perfect. And Tuchel's come in and immediately, like a lot of people are crediting players like Ruben Dias, but... A bigger factor is that teams can't get the ball into a situation where Diash has to make an intervention, and that's or it's played right into him, which is which is huge. So structurally, in terms of the balance, I think Tuchel's immediately improved that so much, and a lot of Atletico's transitions had to be perfect in order for them to even get into that attacking area. I think there was one play in the first twelve minutes where they had a sequence of like fifteen passes, all the way from their box to your box. And it was it was incredible, but I I kind of I'm not going to claim to be an expert on Atletico, but they're not going to execute that for 90 minutes. And the other yeah. thing is where Tuchel's Chelsea's kind of having issues, in my opinion, is the creativity aspect. So we saw against I, I caught a bit of their game against Southampton. Um, there was that nil nil draw against Wolves really early on, and in general, there's a lot of this possession. But when you do actually get into that attacking phase, a lot of what you're doing is really similar to what I felt Lampard was doing, which is try and get behind the back four, the fullbacks, or the back three, the wingbacks, or in Atletico's case, the back six, um, <laughs> where they kind of played that flat back six across that everyone was talking about on Twitter. Um, try and get behind them and swing those crosses in, or get behind them and, and lower deliveries into the channels. Mountain Werner picking up the ball in wide areas and driving in. Um, and everyone kind of playing around Giroud as that focal point, occupying the defense. Um, and yeah, speaking on that, Atletico had a specific plan to stop that. So not only are you guys not that creative, I think Atletico had a specific plan where they were going to have, they played that six and three. So the three were a numerical advantage over Jorginho and Kovacic. And then as well on Mount, they, Mount had to drop back to make that even. And then in that front three, they had four defenders. So they're outnumbering your forwards. And they had two out wide who were directly man-marking your wingbacks, as Michael kind of alluded to. So they had, at all times, a man on each of your attacking players and also an extra man who could well, yeah. double up on one if need be. Which, so when you have a not extremely creative side, and there's probably like five sides in Europe that are creative enough to kind of break teams like that open. Um, it... Even though Chelsea's not that creative, it becomes super difficult to, to get anything yeah. from that. And the fact that Atletico didn't have a shot on target, um, the execution from those wing-wing backs, if you want to call them that, the, the kind of Correa and, um, and Lamar, yeah. they, they, they were two of, che of Atletico's three lowest in terms of pass completion and lower than the entire Chelsea team. Like they they were losing the ball every time the it, it went out wide to them. It felt like, um, and they couldn't execute anything on the transition. Which, if you're gonna play Atletico, you kind of got to lean into that a little bit. Get as many attacks in as you can, but make sure you don't concede. Because if you concede, you become desperate, and then you really play into their hands. So, and I, I think you guys did a good job of doing that. And ultimately, they made a mistake. They, their execution was poor going forward. Their execution in that. Hermoso clearance was uh, was not too good, and um, and Giroud, <laughs> Giroud capitalized in a kind of ridiculous way, uh, and he and he, you benefited from that. So, I think I, I think in general you probably are good value for that result. And um, even though even though it, it might have been a justifiable nil nil for Simeone's chalkboard, um, his his players didn't didn't execute in that same way and you guys took advantage no i think on the whole that is probably a fair assessment i think i guess you know my point was that we kind of played into the hands but you know was it ever going to be any different to that um so i think also one thing i noticed you know as you were saying they completely outnumbered us in in our attacking areas um 
And, you know, towards the start of the game, we were trying to fling crosses in towards Giroud. And I was just kind of like, what are you doing? What is the point? And actually, they stopped doing it. So, you know, credit to, I don't know whether the players themselves realised that or Tuchel kind of realised and was telling them. But, you know, there was kind of in-game adaptation in that respect. Um, And I think that kind of led to um, more of the kind of sideways possession that we saw um, because, you know, you can't really just kind of fling it in the box because you're just going to concede possession. But something you mentioned there um, about Tuchel getting the best out of the squad with this formation, I think another aspect of that is just that a lot of the players are much more suited um, to kind of the the positions. You, you're talking about roles in terms of holding width, but one player who I thought was almost flawless was Andreas Christensen. And we know, you know, we've known for years that his best position is in the middle of a back three. You know, we see we saw him play his best football probably in his career, apart from when he was, you know, maybe he played well when he was on loan at Borussia Mönchengladbach. But his best football for Chelsea was in that position under Antonio Conte. Um, and now we're seeing him play, play really well in Thiago Silva's absence in the middle of that back three. Um, I thought he was fantastic, but you know I'm going to go to you on this, Aaron, because obviously you've got a more objective perspective than myself <laughs> and Michael. You know, I may or may not have a slight agenda against the guy who wears the number five, but you know, the less said on that, the better. <laughs> I wanted to to just ask you who you thought the the best and maybe worst performers for Chelsea were. Well, I don't think anyone was like outstanding. I thought it was a good team performance overall. Um, I think. Where Atleti kind of caused a lot of problems was between, so between the wing backs and the full backs on, or the wing backs and the wide center backs on both sides. So between Alonso and um, and Rudiger on one side, and um, Hudson Odoi and was it it was Aspilicueta on the other side. Um, I think they they clearly tried to do the classic attack of three five two by getting into the wide area, stretching the center backs out, and then trying to hit Suarez or or Joao Felix. Um, and like, there were a few shakeups, like I said, structurally, I think you guys are really good side defensively, but, um, they're like, I don't think any of those kind of individuals, the four I listed are kind of what Chelsea fans are imagining as the feature of their, of their defense. Um, Hudson Adoy is obviously a great player, as I said before, but I don't think he's necessarily a long-term wing back, um, in, in big champions league games. So... I, but yeah, I thought Christensen was really good. Um, he might have been a beneficiary of the fact that he kind of was the the odd one out in terms of who Atletic, uh, who Atleti were trying to uh, who attack directly. But yeah, he I thought he dealt with it fine. Um, him and I also thought I thought Mason Mount was really good again. Um, I think I think there's something to be said about how mature I feel like he is. Because I, yeah. I, I almost feel like in previous years there were, there was a lot of conversation about his de- decision making, but I thought um, I thought his ball retention was awesome. There was there was one player around the 50th to 60th minute where he he kind of like bounced around all three men and then played a slide rule to um, to uh, who I believe was Werner. Yeah, and I was kind of just in shock at at how good that was. And you're not always going to create a goal, but players like that are always going to not only retain possession and add pressure on the opposition but they're always going to be a goal threat and a set piece threat so i thought i thought those two were my standouts for chelsea besides Giroud's ridiculous bicycle kick um as for bad uh like i said i i thought those other four in the in the back five gave me a couple of worries but uh orlando's gonna be a big fan of me today because i, I really did not think Jorginho's performance was was very good um he he seems to see the right passes, which, as we'll talk about, is a huge frustration when I watch United. But um, he he his execution wasn't good in the final third in terms of his in terms of his passing. I don't think that's new. His his waiting his waiting of passing is really poor um, was something I noticed. And on the other side, he wasn't really tasked with any of the counter pressing. Like it was the other five around him who were counter pressing, and sometimes Kovacic. But he he was the one who held mm-hmm. back, and he even still managed to pick up a yellow card because of a hasty foul on Felix that I felt he could have prevented. Um, I think, I think Tuchel plays him because he, he's kind of the principle of what he wants as opposed to the specific actual quality of player. But Mm. I do think playing Angolo Conte in the second leg is going to be much, much better um, in terms of stopping them defensively and, and playing those simple passes, even if he isn't as adventurous and that's less of a threat because of, 
the opponents might not know he's not going to try that pass. Jorginho will try, but if Jorginho is not completing it, then um, he, trying it is beneficial, but that's the area of his game that you depend on being good because he doesn't offer anything in the box and he doesn't offer anything yeah. defensively. And if he's not going to execute that, then Conte should play. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think, yeah, especially as Conte offers, in my opinion, so much more going forward in terms of ball carrying as well. I think he's very underrated in that respect. Um, but anyway... With that said, we're going to move on. Um, I think that was, that was a nice comprehensive analysis of that game. Um, but yeah, um, the main kind of title of, of this pod, as you can see, um, previewing the, the Manchester United game, as I said, on Sunday, 4.30 in the afternoon in the UK, um, which is obviously, you know, late in the evening. Uh, sorry, is it late in the evening? No, it's early in the morning for you guys. Um but anyway, um, first of all, I'm going to come to you, Michael. How do you think Chelsea will change their approach, um, namely in starting eleven from the Atletico game, but also maybe in kind of in terms of kind of you know tactical um, decisions? Mm, I mean, I think it really depends. Um, I. I'm not exactly, that's the thing, I'm kind of stumped on this one because I don't know exactly what United's approach might be in this game. It seems, especially because of how we've switched under Tuchel um, versus Lampard, I think it, it's going to be a little bit different since we're, we've, like, under Lampard we did hold possession, but under Tuchel we're holding possession to the levels that we saw under Sari, where sometimes people even say it's just aimless possession, you know, and just monotonous passing. So if we do decide to be the more possession dominant team. Um, I think we can set up pretty similarly. Now, how I would set up versus how I think Tuchel will set up are, you know, we've discussed this many times, are usually yeah. a little bit different things. Even though I do agree that, as Aaron mentioned, structurally, I'm super impressed with the way Tuchel, Tuchel um, has, has changed us because he's gotten the best out of a lot of people and not the best because necessarily that, there's so much that these guys have to offer, but more so the best as in he's able to mask a lot of deficiencies in the side. He's I think also a really important point in in that respect is that this is thinking for short-term success. He's masking the deficiencies. He's getting the best out of players in the short term. Yeah. I'm sure next season we'll see him go to a back four. You know, obviously, Reese James is definitely good enough to be in Chelsea's starting 11. Ogolo Kante, all these players. Um, success i think he's done really well in, in selecting this structure as you were saying yeah 100 um i think that's I, I i completely agree with you i think it's completely short term um i think it's as we've known and heard so much about tuchel he's a very flexible guy changes things up i do anticipate next season for us to see especially with all the attacking talent we've uh we've you know purchased it's kind of a waste to 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 have i mean if you saw our bench yesterday a lot of people were talking about exactly that like all the not, not just like the talent we had on the bench but how expensive like you can't go forward having those kinds of players on the bench continuously i mean manchester city does it i guess but everyone i guess has to be on board with some sort of project and plan and under guardiola i think it's a little bit more understood we'll see hopefully Tugel can instill that same kind of hey let's have all these world-class players also on our bench I hope <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a great, um, great progression of the club then. But anyways, um, yeah, I do completely agree with you. I anticipate us to maybe see some sort of four triple two, four four two type thing. However, you want to slice it. Again, on paper, it's not really important. It's more so like who he puts and what he tells them to do, depending on who we're playing. I think personally, um, backline more or less so should stay the same. I think um, Thiago Silva maybe comes in if he's healthy. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, for for even though Christensen was excellent, I I was amazed by him. I love Christensen. Well, personally, I don't know if he'll do this, but personally, I'd put Christensen on on the right hand side of the back uh, three really? coming in for Aspi. Yeah, whoever yeah, that is. Aspi Aspi wasn't the yeah. I, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a dip in Aspi. I think I saw it like I mean it's it's quite evident at right back that Reese is just so much more of an outlet on going forward and defensively there's i think at this point at, at right back not all too much a split him where you can justify um you know foregoing reese's attacking output and ability what he gives you um i i think yeah 
Um, I mean, I would love to see him try. He won't this game, but I, I really want to see him try Reese right center back because last game we saw it, um, especially in the teams that allow us a lot more possession. I think even if you look at the past network, Rudiger, his average position on the ball was in the midfield. It was almost like our our wide uh, 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 central defenders, or our, I guess wide central defender, our wide defenders were oftentimes depending on where which side the ball was on, were going into midfield because they had the space to do so and were able to push and commit more numbers forward due to a lack of press from Atletico. So I think at one point I want to see that, but the back line more or less so I expect to be the same. Um, again, with Thiago Silva in it potentially, um, I think. Again, I personally would put in Reese at right wing back because as much as Callum is great there, I think it's he's just better. He's just wasted not being able to. He's got the work rate, um, but Reese is so good himself, and Callum is so good up top that I I really would put Mount and Callum right now continuously as those dual tens. I would. That's what I would do. Um, I'd go with. I'd probably go with. If if United if if the game plan is for United to be more transitional and and more reserved on the ball, I'd go with Giroud. If it's not, I think I'm going Tammy. Like if they're gonna play like a mid block or so where there is going to be space, um, I think we're I think with the three back, if there, there's not gonna be space, I'll go with Giroud and kind of execute a game plan similar to as we did last game, but with Mount and Cho rather than Werner Giroud and Mount. And if it's if there is space, I would go with Abraham. I think. Alonso, yeah, but I, I really want Showell to get accustomed to the to the wing back role. You know, we'll see. And I, I personally would play probably Kova and Conte and bench Jorginho, but I think he's probably gonna play Kova and Jorginho. Um I personally I don't want to say this and hopefully, you know, come off as some sort of sorry, whatever they call them. Or like I personally don't think Jorginho is the worst player ever. I think some criticism is a little too harsh on him, but I don't rate him at all. Like, trust me, I want Billy to be playing. <laughs> but I, I like I, at the same time, I can I can more so. I just want to say that I can see Tuchel. Like, I, it's what Aaron said. I can see that. Like, prototypically, I can understand what he likes about Jorginho. Yeah. Although I do think this isn't the Jorginho that I was so impressed with during his Napoli days. His passing somehow just like those 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 progressive passes and deep passes than, that he used to play to penetrate. Like they're just again, if you watch back some of his games and clips from Napoli, it doesn't seem to be the same. Um, well, but I, I just think. That's you know the Premier League compared to the Serie A. I mean, yeah, I'm not necessarily talking about quality. I know people, you know, get. I'm not necessarily of the opinion that Premier League's of the highest quality. Can you know so superior to all the other leagues? But in terms of space on midfield, they're certainly in England yeah. compared to Italy. Um, but yeah, I, you know, as um, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. I no, I was gonna say, I think there's something to be said about. The fact that he might not have actually been like even now he's probably in the high 80s to low 90s in terms of the passes he's completing and he's quite progressive if you look at them um, statistically. But what you're seeing is not maybe maybe just not elite passing technique. I, I'm not well versed in his Napoli days, but maybe it's not elite passing technique. But maybe it's the vision. I can tell that Jorginho knows what he wants to do on the ball, even if the yeah. execution isn't there. And that is something that a lot of midfielders in Europe don't have. Like, exactly. And yeah. the reason why a manager like Sarri would have been married to having Jorginho as his defensive midfielder is because he understood what Sarri wanted to do and he was willing to attempt exactly what his instructions were. Um, and he had the brain for it, which is, which is not extremely common. Um, we'll get on to how United's midfielders don't do that at some point today, but... It's um, it's definitely a good thing to have a midfielder who's constantly looking forward, even if he's not the one who's going to start and actually carry the ball forward consistently. Yeah, no, yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think one reason why I'm really kind of intrigued as to how this game will pan out. Correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron. You know, we may see a similar kind of situation to the game against Atletico where Chelsea dominate possession completely uh, and the opposition sit back but you know if United decide to kind of take the game to Chelsea to some extent you don't yeah. think so you're shaking your head yeah no um well the biggest the biggest nail in the coffin if they did want to do that is that Paul Pogba's probably out injured I'd say mm. 95% chance yeah, he's not yeah. playing this game which 
United have two players who are capable of really dominating an opposition team in possession, Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes. And when one of them is out, it vastly affects how United kind of set up. And the other thing is United have played since that 6-1 against Spurs. Um, other than one match against Arsenal where they played a diamond, um, they've gone with the same setup in pretty much every big game, um, in, in the Premier League at least. And that is the kind of McFred 4-2-3-1, McTominay and Fred in the double pivot. And um, if McTominay is available, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's what Solskjaer is going to want to go with. Um, if he's not, he, he's out for the Sociedad game tomorrow. But um, if, if he's available, that's what Solskjaer is going to want. If not, he's going to have to play Matic. And then you might see something slightly different. But yeah, we can, we can get into that in more detail in a second because a lot of the principles of Solskjaer's United are that the fact that the fundamentals change a lot based on who is on the pitch um, and what United look mm. to do, as well as those fundamentals change a lot. So it's really depending on who starts and who I think might start is not a team that's going to be able to threaten you in possession. So they might just not even try. Yeah, and something in real quick here, because I wanted to get Aaron's opinion on something about the way United might play. I, I completely agree that there's going to be this transition focus, I think, um, for, for United. And I think Bruno and Rashford are going to be at the helm of that. Um, I think the way I personally, if I was United, would I would line up at least just, just a few players that I would mention that we know, I think, for sure, Bruno and, and Rashford are going to be playing. But I think I would put Cavani up top here to try to stir up the back line a little bit because one of the things for us that's been so big is the fact that we've been able to cut out transitions so well and cover so well for our two-man pivot in the midfield um, because we've had numerical superiority against a lot of teams' front lines. That's, you saw that during Atletico, why they struggled so much. They, then that's why Felix became so anonymous. And just in general, the teams we've played, um, unless there's some sort of mistake or lack of press in general, like then you know there's no massive gaps <laughs> in, in our back line. It's pretty difficult for teams to be able to hit us on transition, but I would use Cavani's movement to stir up and, and disrupt our back line and have those Hollywood balls coming from wide areas down the middle from Bruno to Rashford making those diagonal runs. That's the way I would personally see United. And Cavani, I think, plays an important role here outside of just his ability to be a top striker or whatever, purely because of his movement and disruption to our back line. That's the way I would see and think United should approach this game. I was going to save this for later, but imagine the narrative Cavani v. Silva. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good call. Yeah. Actually, didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That'd be an insane. Yeah, that's true. I mean, hopefully he's healthy because I love Thiago Silva. But um, if he's not, I think I think Christensen showed he can do uh, he can hold his own for sure in the middle. For sure. That's his like he was great there. Cavani's also fitnessed out for what it's worth. He's out against uh, Sociedad tomorrow as well. So, um, okay, so I I guess I, I guess now's a good time to maybe get into United setup. Um, sure. Like I said, it's the it's the four two three one. Um, Wan Bissaka and Shaw fullbacks, uh, Maguire and nine times out of ten Lindelof. Um, the only time Bayi will play is if they're looking to have a high line, which I'm not expecting. Like I said, uh, McTominay and Fred in the mid in the middle behind Fernandez, and then it's going to be Rashford if fit, Cavani, and usually Pogba because Pogba's out. It'll be uh, Anthony Martial or James or uh, Mason Greenwood. Um, typically United are very much an attacking transition team and a defending stable possession sort of team. So McTominay and Fred, neither of them are really, they're both good defensively, like above average in the division. And Fred is, is really a prolific ball winner, but they're both kind of not, uh, defensive midfielders the way you have a traditional defensive midfielder. And they tend to gamble when you have, when they have space behind them and leave gaps in space, which is why United are much better at defending in settled possession, drop into a low block when, when, uh, when the other team has the ball, and then when they win the ball, uh, try and transition. And they're super, like, everything United have is, is extremely opportunistic about the idea that they can transition, to the point where it almost negates their ability to defend. So, for example, um, if Greenwood plays or Martial plays, the wingers will not track back. Rashford and Martial will will stay high and wide um 
and they'll look to get on the ball in high areas as soon as United win the ball back and catch you off guard. But that also means you can you can cause overloads, maybe less so in your in your three five two or your three four three. Your your forwards might have to pull wide, but you can cause overloads against the fullbacks. And we've seen this so many times in transitions against Wamba Saka, where he's an awesome defender, but he has to mark one guy. The one guy pulls him in. Lindelof and Wambasaka don't communicate properly. They don't pass the man properly. And then the cross goes into the back post to the fullback. And the fullback has scored or gotten a shot on target. Um, it, it's really common. So everything United's going to do is to look to transition forward and attack quickly. Um, if they have settled possession, you, sh- you probably don't have to be that worried. Because what Chelsea's going to do is give all the space to Scott McTominay. Fred's, Fred's a bit... Fred's a good passer, but he's a bit erratic. Struggles with passing into tight spaces. He's good at getting out of tight spaces, but bad at kind of getting into them. So Scott McTominay is going to be the one where you kind of just... I probably complain about this a lot, but he doesn't break lines with his passes. He, he just will not. So he's going to... If you isolate him in possession, he's going to pass the ball at wide to Wan-Bissaka. There's going to be no unsettling of the defense, and they're going to find it really hard. Um, if Martial starts up front, that's an even bigger issue with against a low block because... He doesn't occupy the back four. He just kind of, he always goes in search of the ball. He has no kind of, he's elite on the ball, but he has no concept of off-ball movement. And then on top of that, his finishing is out of form, which is probably the first bad finishing spell in his career. So I'm expecting Cavani try and stretch the back. Uh, you want to play in transitions. McTominay's in possession becomes a problem. And there's also other players who aren't great. Um, you want to defend that left side well. Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford can really, really punish a fullback. Um, you you probably don't want to play Hudson Odoi, but also the idea of Reese James at center back kind of sounded good. So you might go with James and Hudson Odoi. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, if you if you can restrict United from transitioning the way other teams have this season and the way you guys did, really, I think we were probably the better team in the reverse, but not by enough to win. Um, and if you can restrict United from transitioning and getting that kind of space. Um, it's going to be difficult for United to score, and it's going to be a matter of whether you can break down a pretty good deep block. Wow, that that's a great, a great, really kind of good analysis for us for us to hear. You know, um, obviously, really detailed. But let's get into a few key battles because you mentioned it there. Um, the first one I want to say I'm a little bit scared of, really. Um, I actually tweeted out after the athletic game. I said, in the most loving way possible, Aspi is kind of washed. I absolutely love him. But, you know, personally, I wouldn't play him in this game. Not least because Rashford is absolutely terrorizing to any defender when he's on his game. But he will play. I'm pretty sure he will play because he's a captain. But, you know, he... You know, there are very few leaders in this Chelsea team, actually, um, aside from him and, and Jorginho, I have to say. Um, so I am worried for this. I was worried for him against Joao Felix, but the way the game panned out, um, the only chances where Felix would have got a run on him, he was either fouled or kind of crowded out by by uh, Hudson-Odoi rushing back or whatever it was. So we kind of got let off the hook there. Um, but... With Luke Shaw um, kind of backing up Rashford and Bruno as well, obviously, um, I am a little bit frightened for this one, Michael. No, yeah, I completely agree. I think that it's 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 exactly that where the left side is going to be such a danger, which is why I really think Reese James rather than Hudson Odoi should be playing at, at right wing back. Because I do think he's probably gonna stick with Aspi at right center back. I don't. I'm not. I'm not really sure if he'll change it, um, even if Thiago Silva's healthy. Um, although I do believe, um, so, you know, having switching him out might be might be the better decision. Um, I think the more important decision for me is having having Reese James there because I think. Reese James should be able to deal a little bit more. I, I mean, it's just it's just another natural defender in the back line who's still able to create. Um, I don't think you lose all too much by putting Reese James there. You just solidify that position a little bit more. Yeah. I, I'm not. I don't think we're gonna need. I think compared to Atletico, it makes more sense because you you're you're. It's a clear. Uh, you know, very deep block where we're going to be allowed possession the entire time. It makes more sense. Like against United, where you know where they're going to hit you from, 
that I, I think it doesn't make any sense to not play him. So I think it's it's securing that side, especially with Luke Shaw recently. His his he's he's come through like a myriad of new different kind of like runs and 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 build up combinations with Rashford this season. He's been unreal, and I think that's going to be a lot to contain. And someone who, although uh, Hudson Odoi has that work rate. I think you need a naturally inclined defender who has that reading of the game a little bit more. And not to mention Reese's physicality, I think will serve as a yeah. huge asset. I think people also, funny enough, like I don't know if people really talk all too much about like Shaw's ability on the ball. Not not ability on the ball, just like ability to run and, and progress with the ball. But he's he's got that kind of like stocky build, short, low center of gravity, where I feel like he's he's underrated strong on the ball at times where it could be kind of a worry. Um, or he's got like that, just that low center of gravity almost that you see with like Hazard, but as a defender, obviously. So not necessarily like this high level of technical, whatever. So I think that's also something underrated about Shaw that, you know, if I see hudson Adoy. I know hudson Adoy's got the speed and he can keep up with Rashford in that sense probably too, unless he's caught out. But um, I think Reese's physicality will will prove as an asset against Rashford because I think getting him off the ball when he's making those runs or cutting those runs out is going to be huge. It's going to be very important. I can already see Bruno dropping deep in a wide position when 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 United win the ball back. Rashford's starting to make that run and Bruno just playing his continuous, perfectly played balls over the back line and Rashford. Uh. Like, <laughs> that's that's like very much so what I'm afraid of, and especially well, if you have Cavani. If it helps, Bruno's probably likely to fail about 10 of them before one of them works. Sure, like, sure, sure. Everyone always remembers the one that were. I mean, against Arsenal uh, in the second, that's the last big six game United have played. He was definitely a lot calmer. I saw his pass completion was in the 90s, and I was kind of blown away by that. But um, normally, he's going to take those high-risk, high-pass value balls. And it's really annoying if United are... are um, finally getting the ball after 10 minutes of not having it, and Bruno's going like Hollywood to Rashford, 50-yard right, yeah. Hail Mary yeah, over yeah. the top. Like, okay, you could have kept possession because now we're going to have to defend for another 15 minutes here. But are, I you, think, are you thinking that you guys would go any other way if Pogba especially isn't involved in the team? If you are running a pivot of McTee and Fred, do you think... Do you think you're gonna you're gonna try to actually pr- uh, possess and hold, you know try to progress the ball and, and and attack us at our box rather than catch us like that or? Uh, well, I think there's a line between um, playing a high or playing a low to medium probability ball that has a good chance of resulting in a goal if Rashford's onside and Rashford's getting behind the defense. But it's another thing to play a complete hail mary um, kind of pass where it's like he's he's pretty much at a 10% completion rate of what you would expect um, on, on the pass value of this. And it's like United really can benefit from not having, like from having a long period of not having to defend deep because that does wear you down. So I, it's all about a balance. Bruno obviously has to take risks if United want to win the game, but it's, it's about choosing the right ones and uh, he's getting better at it, but it's definitely one area of his game that he can improve. And um, I, I thought you were spot on about Shaw, though, in, in the sense that um, he's United's main ball progressor. Usually teams press Wambasaka on the ball instead of Shaw. Wambasaka isn't bad, but Shaw is elite. Like he, he, can, he can pass or carry through pretty much most situations. Um, he's probably better than the midfielders in, in that respect. <laughs> so Yeah, he's been very impressive this year. Talking about Bruno, as you were just there, the next key battle I have... Um, down is him v N'Golo Kante because first of all obviously Kante didn't play against Atletico but I'm sure he will play this game because um, you know basically because of Bruno um, (laughs) when you have this number 10 who has such little defensive responsibility um, and is so good at basically he's very very good at kicking the ball right he doesn't dribble you know he he's not hugely fast He's just very good at making either defense splitting key passes or long shots or, you know, um, he's also good, you know, at kind of getting into goal scoring positions, you know, movement off the ball. But all these kind of things are not things that Jorginho or Kovacic are adept at preventing um, or defending against. Um, and they are things that N'Golo Kante um, is fantastic at, at defending against. Um but 
will it be enough? This is, you know, why is a key battle? Obviously, it's going to be a tug of war between them two, really. Um, I think for me, it kind of depends on the state of the game, as you're saying, Aaron. You know, if United have been defending for 10, 15 minutes, I think, although, like you were saying, it can be detrimental to have that kind of ball played over the top immediately. But I do think sometimes if Chelsea have had the ball for a while, they do have a tendency to sort of switch off when they give it away. Um, and as you were saying earlier, Aaron, that was kind of more prevalent under Lampard when we were attacking with more players. Um, but I think even still under Tuchel, although we haven't been punished for it yet, I have seen, you know, people talk about the kind of counter-pressing under Tuchel, which is, you know, allegedly a new thing. It's not really a new thing. It was very prevalent under Lampard as well. Um, it is slightly kind of notched up under Tuchel, but I think... Even still, um, you know, sometimes there are situations where counter-pressing, you know, isn't possible. So, obviously, it's it's very easy to do if a player's tackled. But if there's, like, a, a bad pass or it goes falls to the keeper or something like that, um, you're not always going to be able to counter-press. And I think in those instances, when Chelsea can't rely on the counter-press to win the ball back quickly, they can be very vulnerable. And in that respect whether Kante switched on to, to Bruno receiving the ball quickly in those instances will be very pivotal. Yeah, I, um, I do think... So Bruno, Rashford, and Martial, if he plays, are all really good at winning fouls. Um, they, can, they can all buy a foul, mm. especially Martial, um, which, which is good. And um, watching Jorginho commit, the, commit that tactical <laughs> foul against Felix, I thought, you know what, Rashford and Bruno are definitely likely to exploit that. Um, yeah, he's deceptively quick, and um, you might you might you might actually look at it in, in the sense that United are, are looking for their first goal against the Big Six this season. They scored, mm-hmm. they did score one uh, before Spurs put six uh, the other mm-hmm. way. But um, other than that, United are scoreless against these teams, and um, I think I think a player like N'Golo Kante is is important if you want to manage like really manage those transitions. You, you saw what happened to Sociedad last week. RB Leipzig in that first game. Um, Leeds, that was brutal. Like, if you give United the space, if you give them a yard to transition, they, they can kill teams. But if you manage those weaknesses, and I think a player like Conte will be important for that, um, and you can hold possession, keep it calm, win it back whenever you lose it without allowing United to, to get out of that first phase, I, I don't think you'll have too many troubles. Right. The last key battle on the pitch I want to talk about is um, actually you mentioned it earlier, Aaron, uh, when talking about Aaron Wan-Bissaka. It's him v Marcus Alonso because I abs- I'm a huge fan of Wan-Bissaka. I think he's very underrated um, in general. I think people don't give him enough credit for how good he is going forward. Obviously, maybe way better than most people say um and then defensively he's arguably the best fullback in world football he's he's amazing um defensively um when the ball is kind of presented to him when wingers are facing him up 1v1 etc but as you said he has been prone to not having the best defensive positioning um and not being well put it this way Lots of fullbacks and wingers have scored crosses, jumping over him or, you know, converting crosses to the side of him. And if there's anything Marcus Alonso loves doing, it's converting crosses into goals. Um, You know, he's basically a striker playing at left wing back at times. Um, And with that movement off the ball, which he loves doing, often you'll see it used to happen all the time with Hazard. Hazard would kind of pull out wide. To, to receive the ball to feet and Alonso would just run into the penalty area kind of randomly. You know, you don't see many wingbacks doing that. Um, and we've recently seen that happen quite a bit with Timo Werner receiving wide. Um, I think it might be um, something that's been coached into Werner because he wasn't doing it, you know, earlier in his time at Chelsea, but he's, he's learning it now. Um, and with kind of United's uh, tendency to leave spaces in between the defence and the midfield, as you were saying, Aaron, I think that could be something that, you know, could potentially lead to go- a goal or at least a big chance in the game. Yeah, well, the it's usually in transition. There, Wambasaka and Lindelof, uh, what I would maybe describe as communication errors. They don't pass their man properly, 
So a forward will come out and drag Wambasaka in, and then the cross will go in behind. Um, if if you can get Alonso free at the back post, that is definitely a, a good route to score in transition, I think. But by and large, Wambasaka has been having, I would say, the best season of, of his career so far. Obviously, only his third in senior football, but um, I think he's got quite a few goal contributions. He's getting forward, playing some amazing crosses, genuinely. Like um, his his favorite is kind of a cut back to the top of the box. Um, yeah. It's good when it doesn't land at Fred's feet. <laughs> and um, <laughs> defensively, yeah, you can't dribble past him. Like um, the the best was the first PSG game where he kind of came up against Mbappe and Neymar. And they could not dribble past him. Like it, it took a lot to get past him. And everyone was talking about Axel Tuanzebe, but people have ta- people have begun to take for granted just how good this guy is at one v one defending and last ditch tackles. Like he will go into the box and hit a last ditch tackle from behind when he's the last man. Like classic denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity stuff. And he'll come out with the ball, and no one will think about it twice. Like it's. It's just something we've, take, we've come to take for granted at this point. So he does have his weaknesses, but by and large, um, I don't think Alonso is... If you can get him in a shooting position, that's good, but I don't think he's the type of player to really threaten Wambasaka. Um, I have a question. What's, what's happened to 50 million man Ben Chilwell? What's, what's the well, situation there? Michael, you, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something uh, Orlando and I have kind of discussed a bit i just think that right now he he, it didn't seem like he was all too accustomed to the role uh it was weird because i felt like for how good he was going forward and coming back i thought that this would suit him actually quite well originally i thought he would he would kind of hit the ground running in it but uh i don't know he just seems uncomfortable in it his it seemed it seemed like he would sometimes be in like in positions where um he didn't always know exactly he was stuck between hesitating between going forward with the ball or passing it and sometimes he would give it away I wasn't really sure I think the one thing I personally noted that he was so good at in the fourback was starting from deep and I think now that he's at the wing back and he starts higher up as a result of the way we play it's maybe put him out of his comfort zone and so far right now he hasn't grown accustomed to the role I do think I do believe that he's a talented enough player that he can adapt and and get better at the role. And I do just see him. I mean, I'm not too worried because I I don't see us sticking with a back three all the time for every game. I do envision us going to a back four for a lot of different games, as we know with Tuchel, he does like to use a back four. So I'm not too worried about um, Chowell. I think right now, though, short term, Alonso just you know he's played the role more he's more accustomed to the to the wing back role he's good there in reality that's his best position um and so i think it makes sense why tuchel wants him because he knows he can trust them there i mean clearly tuchel has went for a lot more of the experience rather than lampard was more willing to trust the youngsters tuchel's done a little bit more about the inverse but i mean you can't really blame a manager who's come in mid-season in the form we were in, I can I can totally see why he's chosen to do that. It's it's the safest route, and right now results are all that matters. I mean, contextually with this game, if I'm United, I want to draw because Chelsea's in good form. I mean, don't get me wrong, United's not in bad form either. But if I'm worried about players being healthy, Pogba's out or whatever, and I don't think I'm going to be able to take the game to them, and I'm going to sit deep, I'm happy with a draw because in reality, City's run away with the title. Um, Liverpool is dropping points left, right, and center. So Chelsea is really the the only one in top four. Maybe Everton or someone someone can creep in later. Leicester's um, there, yeah. you know. What I, yeah, but it's just Leicester, and there's still yeah. space for us, is what I'm saying. So like, you're. I don't think you guys are gonna win the league, but I also think you guys will are wanting to hold on to top four. So I don't think you guys getting a draw out of this game. I think it works in your favor rather than ours. We want to solidify. We're on the edge of top four. We want to solidify our position there. You guys are. You guys and Leicester are have a solid advantage that a draw here is, 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 is a, is a pretty big win in my opinion, at the least the draw, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I think the fact that United tend to play into nil nils in these games and the fact that nil nils are advantageous is, is definitely worth noting. Um, I do think you guys will be, I think you guys should be comfortable top four though, in my opinion. Um, I know, I know Leicester's in good form, but I don't think their metrics are as good as their actual performance. And, um, they're not they're not a bad side and they're in contention for top four, but you guys should be in top three if Liverpool's continues to play like this. You guys are you guys are the ones that have to take their place, in my opinion. I do think Liverpool have a, a resurgence, to be fair. I, I think, you know, they're they're clearly a very good side. 
they yeah. haven't played that well, but they've also got pretty unlucky, not just with the injuries, but with the way games have unfolded. Um, so sure. I do think they will definitely be in the mix. Um, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, yeah, I think I agree that Leicester will maybe fade away, not just the underlying metrics, but, you know, they, they're in the Europa League um, again this year. Um, they don't have huge squad depth. Um, so, you know... They've had, in- like, a dozen penalties, which is... That's Like, I know well. Vardy's good at winning penalties, but they make United's penalties look low, which is, which <laughs> is an, like, a, a big accomplishment. Um, so they, they're going to need to find a source of goals if that dries up. And I know Madison and Ndidi are back now, and it's a huge boost, but... Yeah, they're going to need something else. Yeah, I agree. Right. We're going to wrap up the pod with a few predictions. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Michael, because Aaron's just put his head in his hands. No, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm completely with him. I hate predictions, but I'll probably throw a parlay this weekend, so I got to choose one or the other. Um, Not actually. I I actually tend to, to, to steer away from betting on Chelsea because... I don't want I don't want anything like I'm going to be devastated <laughs> like if I I don't want to bet against them obviously but I also you know worried like if I if I do bet on them and then they lose I'm just devastated like it's the worst. So um I personally think I do think we'll struggle with creating chances again. Um hopefully we don't but I I do think we will. I think United's going to make it really difficult for us to 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 score. So I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Um, because I do think transition wise, like you guys are good for sure, but so far we've done excellent. So I have no reason to doubt our ability to cut out transitions. I, I either like a nil nil or like a one nil to, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to put our, put the money on Chelsea one nil. Yeah. I'm going to say one nil Chelsea. Aaron. Ah, all right. Um, <laughs> I'd be I'd be a bad guess if I didn't pick a United win, but I'm not I'm not extremely compelled to. Um, I think either way, from either side, if we're looking at from Tuchel's start at Chelsea or United this season, we're gonna need to see something we haven't seen before for either side to score in this game, which is gonna be. I mean, other than Pogba, other than Pogba giving away a penalty, United haven't made any defensive errors leading to goals in these big games. Um, so you're going to need either a defensive error from United or um, United being clinical in transition and taking chances they probably aren't, shouldn't be expected to score to win this game. Um, or set pieces. Both United are bad defensively and good going forward at set pieces. So that's all, there's always a chance for that. Um, I'll go 1-0 United because I really struggle to see Chelsea creating the way I've seen them in the last two games. But um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it reversed or even a 1-1. Yeah, I think I agree with both of you completely. I think it's going to be a kind of game where, you know, either there's only going to be one chance or there's going to be few chances and, you know, like whatever the scoreline is, it could have gone either way. You know, it's not like a little bit... um, like a few of the games that Tuchel has has um, that Chelsea have played under Tuchel so far haven't been kind of completely comprehensive victories, but I think he, you know, the results have gone his way so far. So maybe they'll continue to, maybe they won't. Obviously, huge cliche. Sorry, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I'm gonna go also for a one nil to Chelsea and. Just because I love him, I'm going to say Tammy Abraham is going to score the winner and shut all the haters up um, based on nothing, really, just because I want it to happen. Um, Michael, you got something yeah, to say? I want to add one thing. Just I'm just going to throw this out there. You know what? If we put Calm Hudson-Odoi up top, I think he's going to run at people and create mm. something. I think he's going to be... <laughs> You know what? Hudson Adoy versus Harry Maguire. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, I kind of feel it. Hudson Adoy, he's not like known to be you know he's still young not known to be one of the most dangerous wingers in the world but the guy on the ball is a scary sight to be run at and if i'm harry Maguire, as great as a defender as he is i'm worried because he struggles against the the athletic like agile quick wingers he's not that kind of like you know pacey uh, kind of defender he has other things that he's really strong at that makes him such a great defender i think hudson adoy could 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 be crucial here just yeah. just want to throw that out there in case that you know I can 
I can dub myself as a genius if I'm right. <laughs> I think also. Yeah, if he also, plays, he's amazing. Sorry, sorry, Lando. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say also with Hudson Odoi, even if he doesn't start, Tuchel recently was quite vocal in his criticism. He's saying Callum's not good enough when he comes off the bench. He's good when he starts. He's not yeah. good enough when he comes off the bench. So you know the narrative. He's going to come off the bench and score the winner. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> He's hungry. He's hungry. <laughs> All right, I think with that, we're going to wrap up the pod. I really enjoyed this one. Thanks, Michael, for, for sitting through it with us. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I'm really glad uh, I could be a part of this one. And obviously, Aaron, it was brilliant to have you on as a, a special guest. Thanks so much. You spoke brilliantly. Uh, thanks. Uh, it's, it's been really great to be here. I love doing stuff like this. And uh, like I said, your project's really awesome. Um, Chelsea Spot's really great. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll we'll be delighted to have you back on in the future whenever the next United Chelsea game is with that um, I'm just gonna say as I did at the top please make sure to check us out on all our social media platforms and and with a big um, forgotten the word with a big impact I have no idea what I'm saying with please follow us on Instagram is what I mean to say bloody hell anyway with that I'm just gonna say that was the worst outro I've ever done thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time